Welcome to the Well Grand Rapids Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged, strengthened, and experience the presence of God through this message by Jason Wimbush. Oh, God is so, so good. Whew. Max, I got to tell you, there you are. It's still tough to see. I received that word of being reformed. Pastor Kathy, I want you to know I sent you my notes, but God kind of reformed them a little bit this morning. <laughs> I wrestled. What did somebody say? Oh, yeah. uh, I wrestled with it last night, and there was something I just didn't feel quite right about. And it kept getting later and later and later, and I just said, it's time to go to bed. <laughs> but thank God I'm an early riser, and I feel like God began to do some reforming in me this morning. And I, I believe what Max said is so true about salvation is not a one-time experience. I think of that verse that says, work out your salvation. I think of it like a workout and we keep working and we keep growing. And it's a part of that journey that God takes us on. And my hope and intent is to share a little bit of that this morning. Um, but I want to recap where we've been. Tail end of spring, just before summer, we got into Ephesians, and we started in Ephesians chapter 6 with Pastor Kathy on the armor of God. And we continued, we went back to the beginning of Ephesians and worked our way through and learned about His grace is all sufficient. His grace is always there for us. And that each one of us is a part of the church. The church isn't the building. But we are the bricks of the building that God builds the church. That we are to establish intimate relationships with Jesus. And that there's something more important than our differences, but our unity in the spirit. And then I so appreciated Pastor Max last week, submitting one to another. What a beautiful word that was. Did I say Max? Honestly, this scares me because I've done this before and I've shared before where I can't remember who I was sharing about, but I kept getting stuck between Joshua and Joseph and I said it wrong the whole entire time. So these names with M's, Max, Matthew, Mac, I'm doomed. <laughs> but anyways, we're going to come all the way back around to Ephesians 6 and we're going to go through Ephesians 6, 1 through 9. And there's so many different parts of this that I was like, I kept thinking, that's a good title. And then I get onto something else. That's a good title. And I get onto something else. That's a good title. But I will just say at this point in time that in chapter six, one through nine, is about love in our families and the workplace. And so that's what I want to talk about with us today. Um, I'll take it as a little nod of confirmation from Pastor Matthew about Exodus 2012, because that's the very first verse I want to start with. The interesting thing about Exodus 2012 is we're also going to hear about it in Ephesians 6. So, here we go. So, in Exodus 2012, it says, Honor your father and mother. Then you will live long, full lives in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Then, when we jump into Ephesians 6, 
Verse one, it says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor the, your father and mother, things will go well with you and you will have a long life on earth. And there's a couple things that I was thinking about with these two verses and a couple things that God continues to do in me this past week is showing me portions of the scripture that I can see in the Old Testament that I began to really begin to see the Old Covenant but how it foreshadows into the New Testament, into the New Covenant. And that's exactly what this really is, is looking at the difference between what was the context of Exodus versus the context of where we are in Ephesians. A lot took place and a lot happened. And when you think about the Old Covenant, there's so much of this particular verse here and all the other verses around it, it's the Ten Commandments. It was the law. It was the Ten Commandments. And the thing that we know about the Old Covenant is ultimately there were a lot of rules. There were a lot of regulations. If you want to find some of them, there's a bunch of books in the Bible that will bore you to death reading all the things they had to live up to. And I, I don't say that to deminimize the Word of God because ultimately the new covenant confirms why we need the laws that were there. But thank God we don't have to live according to some of those laws because I tell you right now, I would have been stoned a long time ago. <laughs> and that's the reality of it is there was such a dependency on having this strict adherence to the word that humankind and mankind could never live up to it. But the challenge was, is in God's word, we find out right from the get-go, we began to miss the mark, going back to Adam and Eve and when the serpent tempted Eve. From that moment, when she was convinced of what the serpent said, she began to believe her own ways over others' ways. And at that point in time, when we have God up here, all of a sudden we elevate ourselves to there to think we know as much as God. And that was the whole trick of what the serpent did. And then that's all we see through this whole process. And then when everything is filtered through that, and then you really want to do what's right, and you try to follow all these rules, you just end up falling short. So what I find is, while I enjoy the Old Testament, while I enjoy what the Old Covenant brought, I also know there's a part of that that we may live in that we need to get out of. And this is what I find. With that, for those that lived according to the Old Covenant, for those that lived in those days, there was a fear, even a fear of failure. How am I gonna do this? And if I fell, how am I gonna make it right? And then you look at what you would need to do to make it right, and it's this huge long list. And it's this idea of continually working harder to try to get there. And in some cases, you were just stoned. There wasn't another chance. <laughs> but there was such a sense of insecurity. You really weren't secure where you stood. And as much as you would try, you couldn't get there. And at the same time, we would see over and over and over again people that would fall short. But then you jump into Ephesians and the new covenant comes in and what do we see? We see that that law was fulfilled 
from the Father's love. It's really, really important to understand the Father's love. All of us have had different experiences about the three in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for some, maybe one component of it meant more to you than another. And for me, that Father part continues to mean so much to me because I see him as my heavenly Father. I see how much he loves me. Even this week, I just, I began to think about him and I began to tear up because I could see and feel. I emphasize that word, feel. We're gonna, we're gonna focus a little bit on that, of feeling the love. I'm not gonna break out into a Can You Feel the Love Tonight song from Disney, but <laughs> I'll leave that up to someone like Carrie. <laughs> But there's something different when you feel it. And that's what the New Testament brings, is you begin to feel the fulfillment of that law because of the Father's love. You feel that love because in the New Covenant, we see the power of the Son who loved his Father and did, in fact, obey. I want to share a little bit about that because in that, when you, when you experience that love of God, however God does it in your life for your personal circumstances, it's like we just mentioned a moment ago in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, there isn't a insecurity, but there's a security. There isn't a fear, but there is a freedom. And that's what we see when we really dive in to this part of Ephesians. And as I talk about this, I want you to think about every part of Ephesians 1 through 9 because we're going to talk about children. We're going to talk about fathers. There's no talk this time, Matthew, of, of wives. I think you nailed it last time. There's nothing more to be said. I'll let you live with the results of that. <laughs> we talk about slaves and masters. I don't like looking at it that way because that was the culture then. So let's look at it as boss and employees, leaders and those that work with leaders team members, all of these types of things. But we see something different, and I want to share my perspective for me and what this means and where this is coming from. My perspective before receiving Jesus was living in a way that mirrored the Old Testament. I lived in fear. I don't need to get into the reasons why. But there was a part of me that I lived in fear. A part of it was because of my stature. I was small. I was so small. <laughs> and everybody else was bigger than me. And you think about just in the natural, especially when you're a boy and everyone else is growing faster than you are. All my sisters grew faster than I did. They were taller than I was when they were my age. There were years I didn't grow that my parents marked on the wall where we grew and they lied. They notched it up a notch, hoping to make me feel better, but I could look at it and go, my sister was still taller than me. And I lived in this place of, of fear and insecurity. There was actually a part of me that had this sense of rejection that I'm still learning to recognize to this day. But my perspective began to change as I received Jesus and began to experience the New Testament and to Pastor Max, 
the reformation of being saved again and again, that is a part of the process. Because when I look back, and each of us should be able to look back at when Jesus came into our lives and the journey that began to happen, there were different parts where I got saved from something else. Today, I got saved from this. 10 years later, I got saved from that. Here I am this much older, and I continue to get saved from other things because of the goodness of God. And that is a part of the beauty of the fulfillment of the old covenant. I found out that when I was baptized, I really, really began to feel the love of God. The way I felt that was is I could sense his presence. I could sense the anointing. I could sense that tingle, that sense of electricity. I always kind of associated it to when, when you went to plug something in, you ever have it where you accidentally get your finger caught in there and it's like, Zzz! And that didn't feel so good, but it was like, how is that the same thing, but it feels really good? And it's like, how do I plug back into that again? But it was like, I had a tangible feeling that God loved me. And then I kind of down my journey a little bit further. And I think back to when I became a father. And I was real good at being a father as a kid. I knew how to play with kids. I still do. I still love doing that. There's something about that. That's something that, that we should not lose sight of. It's just learn how to play. Learn how to be childlike. But at the same time, as a father, you can't just be a child. You can't just always play with the superheroes, even though I still like to to this day. But what I found is I had to really learn how to be a father. And I will give credit to the Promise Keepers movement because it changed me. It began to do a work in me that I began to see my heavenly father. I began to see him as my daddy. That term of endearment, that meant something different, that there was a moment that I knew that I was struggling and I didn't know how to get unstuck. And I got saved again when I could feel as if it's so strange. I was in my car, my little 1991 Dodge Shadow. And I'm in the driver's seat, parked in a parking lot, and I just took time out and said, God, I need you. And he began to invade that little Dodge Shadow. And I hugged the steering wheel because it was the closest thing that I had to, like we did today, I had to stand up and say that was me. I had to say, God, I'm embracing you because I feel you wrapping your loving arms around me. And I'm receiving it. And then I really, really, really knew and felt that he loved me like no other father could. And it changed me. I began to be looking to him as my example to be a father to a son. And what is so important to realize is that's exactly what this portion of the scripture is an example of when we look at verse one through three. But I also wanna go back here for a moment and say, yet those things were taking place in my life. I found myself stepping back over into the old covenant. I was in the New Testament, but it's real easy to bounce back into the old covenant. We don't even necessarily know we do it because here's the thing, there are parts of the old covenant that are really good. It is the word of God. 
But something kind of slips in sometimes and we get stuck in this place. And this is what I found. There were things that I struggled with growing up. I was horrible in school. I was horrible in school. And I struggled so much with it. I had to really, really work hard at getting through every grade and getting through every year and, and connecting with other kids and so on and so forth. But the reality is, is I moved a lot. As soon as I would maybe get connected here, I would move someplace else. And that kind of stunted me. And I had to try again. And what I kept finding is I would try hard only to find that I always fell short. What's the same thing that happens in the old covenant? Try as hard as they might, they're still going to fall short. They're still going to fall short. And so I too found out the same thing. And the thing that I also found out is sometimes we can take on words and not even realize it. And we can take on words that actually sound good, but maybe they're not always so good. I've been described as a hard worker. That's a good thing. Matter of fact, God calls us to be hard workers. You look in the book of Genesis and right out the gate, Adam gets a job. Name all these creatures. That's a hard job. But he did it. Tend to the garden. He did it and then messed up. <laughs> but it was a hard job. And I constantly would work so hard and always feel like I would fall short. And I found that ultimately I would end up back in the Old Testament mindset. But then the lessons that I learned were how much the love of my father continued to draw me. That I continued to find him as the way, the truth, and the life. That every time I would fall back into an Old Testament way, I would find that the New Testament way was he is the way, the truth, and the life. In Ephesians 1, when we go back to there, which we were there, it says this in Ephesians 1, 11 through 14. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, you have received an inheritance from God. He chose me in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. I continue to find this is how much God loves us. He chose you first. He chose you before you were born. He continues to choose you even when we do something awful. He chooses me every day. The sense of rejection that I sometimes step into is the old covenant. But then I step back into the New Testament and says, you will never leave me. You will never forsake me. I begin to speak those things forth as if they were always there. He has never, ever rejected me. I may choose to step away from him, but he does not choose to step away from me. That is the beauty and the promise of the New Testament. When we look at these verses in Ephesians, and there is the promise of the inheritance. You didn't have to earn it. You just got it because he loved you. 
because he loved you so much. He wanted you to see that you don't deserve this, but I do believe you deserve this because you became my son. You became my daughter. The moment you said, Jesus, I accept you. I believe in you. I trust you. I believe that everything you did is true. I receive that, and that's when that sonship begins to change. That's when we begin to really, really understand in advance, he chose me. And now the New Testament gives us the opportunity to say, and I choose you. It's not a little flippant choice. It is a very active, I choose you. And that's when it begins to change. That's when things begin to happen. On to verse 12 in Ephesians 1. God purpose, God's purpose was that, oh, I want to skip that part. Sorry, jump down to 13. And now you Gentiles also have heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. We just talked about that. And when you believe in Christ, he identifies you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit when he promised long ago the Spirit of God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. So go back and look at Ephesians 1 through 3, and we'll go down to verse 2 when it says, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. That is why that is there, because that's the New Testament version. It doesn't say, or excuse me, you don't see that in the Old Testament, but it's just the foreshadowing of what's to come. It's God saying, every other thing is gonna fail, but I'm still not gonna give up on you. All through mankind, he did it all over again. He fixed the situation, set things right, and I almost said by God's grace, that doesn't make any sense. By God's grace, we mess it up. No, we, we mess it all up all over again. And God comes in and he fixes it again and he tries again, but he realizes it's just gonna to continue to happen. And so he devised a new plan. He devised the model that he was the father and he sent his son. And when it says children, honor your father and mother, Jesus is the one that truly did that. The father so loved us that he gave up his son Sometimes I try to think about that when I think about my own sons. Could I do that? But God, it was his idea. That's how much he loves us. And Jesus loves God so much that this is what he said. Whatever, whatever my father tells me to do, I do it. There's something different there. There is a delight. There is a trust. There is something that shifts there. It's that relationship between a father and a son. And when I thought about these verses, I thought this is gonna be interesting to talk about. Hey, children out there, whoever you are, and I'm thinking little children, obey your mom and dad. Now they're all down in fire starters. <laughs> but, what's that? I had the thought. <laughs> but God showed me, I'm gonna flip it on its head. You're a child, I'm a child. At the same time, you're a parent. And I felt like God was really, again, highlighting the word father, heavenly father. Fathers, this is also including mothers. How did those kids of yours obey you? 
And when they obey, do they obey because they feel they have to or because they get to? That is the trick. And one of the things that I've learned over the years, and I'm still learning it, and I'm still trying to apply it, and sometimes, again, I fall back into old ways, but God wants to bring us back in the new ways, is, and we've shared this with different ones, is to have your child's heart. That sounds really good, but there's another part. You also have to give your child your heart. Is that not what the father did? And is that not, in turn, what the son did? I give you my heart, you give me your heart. When two become one in holy matrimony, the two become one and they give their hearts one to another. They give their hearts to God in unity. They do it because they want to. When a married couple comes together, they do things not because they have to, but it's the delight to obey the covenant of marriage. There's a delight that can take place in every aspect of our lives. Whether you're a father that messes up because you exasperate your children and you cause them to be angry, as it says in the other parts of these verses. What I have found is I've been there and I've done that and I've stepped into that old man way. But I've also found that there were times that I remember in our old house, I would sit our kids down in, in their bedroom at night. It was actually in Abney's bedroom. And I would sit down on the floor Indian style with them and I'd have them sit around with me. I don't know whether Abney would be even old enough to remember. Maybe Mac would, I don't know. And I realized the way I said something, I would today say is old covenant. It's like this, obey me and your life will go well. <laughs> like, <laughs> and what I found is what I instilled was fear versus love. But when I sat down with them and humbled myself at their level versus standing over top of them and said, daddy was wrong. I'm sorry for how I spoke. Will you please forgive me? I don't even know how much they understood, but I knew I had to do it. What was happening there? I was giving them my heart. And over the course of time, to some extent, maybe some more than others, whatever it may be, there was a sense in our family that we had each other's heart. And what I want to say when we look at these verses, whether it's about your children or you as a parent, you as a boss, you as an as a employee, this is what I find that it says in those latter parts. In, in verse 4 through 9, we hear all these other parts, but there are some words, some phrases that I want you to pick up on. It's addressed to slaves, but I believe this is really how we should look at things. It says, serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm. The more we can pour in to the lives that come into our lives, whether it's our children, whether it's even us with, as adults with our parents, we should honor them. If it's your boss, we should honor them. If we're the boss, we should honor them. Because this is what I find from the lesson between the father and the son is this. 
We have a choice to follow. We don't get to choose, I want you to follow me. Because at the end of the day, we can push people further away or by the way we love them, we can draw them closer. And what God shows throughout all of the Bible, through this whole incredible story, is what he does is he just draws us in. He just reels us in. It's a part of that working through salvation that he continues to pull and pull and pull. And we just slowly come in because what happens is we get so sick and tired of being sick and tired of doing things like the old covenant and trying and trying and trying. But then when we fall in love with him because he loved us so much, the word of God says... It's his goodness that leads us to repentance. That's his love that brings us to that place to say, I don't want this anymore. I don't want to be like that anymore. And you know what? You're going to continue to do that throughout your whole life because like the prophetic that, that Rachel had, there's more cracks. There's more things that are going to happen. But you know what? Those hard things, those hard times that we have to work through, it's God's goodness that as we sang today, that later we get to tell the stories of how God came in and loved us so much that I became different than the way I was before. I could stand up here for hours and hours, and many of you could too, that you could tell of the love and the goodness of God that drew you to a place that said, I want to obey. Matter of fact, in Ephesians it says, you belong to God. Why do you belong to God? Because you feel like you belong to God. When you feel like you belong to a community of believers, you want to be a part. I found this other verse here that says in Colossians, when I fell so in love with God, in Colossians 3, 23, 24, I had this poster in my cubicle when I was in customer service. And it says this, work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than people. I begin to realize I have a place. I have a call. I have gifts. I have talents, just like each and every one of us do. And in that, yes, it may be hard to work at. It may be hard to work through. But when you are so in love, with God, and you so much know that you belong, that in that very first verse, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. How many times have you done something because you know it's the right thing to do? And how many times did you do it because not only did you know it was the right thing to do, it was your desire? If we can help those we come in contact with, to desire maybe what we have, what God has done in our lives, will begin to capture their hearts as we give them our hearts. And I believe that's what God is saying. That's a part of that unity that God is telling us. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you were impacted by this message. For more information about The Well Grand Rapids, please visit our website at www.thewellgr.com.